response to the sermon of this morning, we will sing Psalm 84, the fifth and the sixth stanzas. Our text for this morning is found with the verses 7 through 11 of our reading. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is faith, uh, the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. But those who hate him, he will repay to their face by destruction. He will not be slow to repay to their face those who hate him. Therefore take care to follow the commands, decrees, and laws I give you today. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, today's sermon is the start of a series of sermons that touch upon family life of husband to wife, parents to children, boy meets girl, and so on. All with a view to the covenant. We know that the idea of the covenant does not live all too much in Christian churches today. Seems to be something we speak of only in reform circles, if and when it is spoken at all. But congregation, the covenant is not the pet subject of a selected few reformed people. The idea originates with scripture itself. And to miss seeing the covenant in scripture is to miss seeing the message, the, the very fabric of scripture. This morning we want to look at the words of Moses as he explains how God chose Israel to be his covenant people. In doing so, we hope to see how this relationship in turn presents us with the model of how we are to see our relationship with him as well as our relationship as husband and wife, and that in in particular. And we hope that this will help us to see and go on from there to seeing other relationships as well. I proclaim therefore to you this this morning the word of our Lord as we find that with our text under the following theme and heads. God shows his covenant love for us on the basis of the oath he swore. A message that addresses the basis of our covenant Marriage relationships. Number one, our first point, knowing that God is the faithful God. And secondly, taking care to follow the direction of God 
in showing love and faithfulness to him and to each other. First of all, then, knowing that God is the faithful God. We live in a period of time where the teachings of Scripture are no longer taken seriously by most people. Not too many are interested in knowing about the covenant between God and his people. Many relegate that to something that took place in what is called the Old Testament of the Bible. The result is that not many couples are interested in knowing what God has to say about marriage in the covenant. It seems that everyone does what he or she thinks is right in his or her own eyes. There appears to be a much greater lack of commitment towards each other today, whether as members of a congregation or, or whether in marriage. Picking and choosing churches according to how one feels seems to be a growing trend. Living together for a few years and then deciding to marry seems to be a growing trend as well. Many who do marry often stay together only for a short time. Many, many marriages fail within a year. Some go on a bit longer, enough time to have one or two children, and then to break apart as well, spreading out the hurt and damage a bit more. We're not here to try to change the world this morning, congregation. We certainly would like to see change in our society, but realistically, we won't get it done today, nor tomorrow, and in many instances, if ever. But we can do something here as church. We can fortify ourselves against what is happening more and more in our society in general and in our churches in particular. We can do that congregation by going to the Word of God. Now our scripture reading of this morning gives us a wonderful example intended not only to show us how God entered into covenant with His people but also to show us how he expects us to live with each other. This morning we will specifically impose on our text the relationship between a man and a woman intending to marry. And yes, we may do that congregation because Scripture gives us the impulse for doing so. I remind you of what Paul said to the covenant members of the church at Ephesus in chapter 5 of his letter. Paul said, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. As the church submits to Christ so must be our marriage relationship. The relationship of husband and wife is likened to the relationship between Christ, the Son of God, and the church. And so we may make the leap of looking at what is expected in the covenant relationship between a husband and wife by comparing it to the example of the covenant relationship 
here in Deuteronomy between God and Israel. Whether it's Christ and the church, God and Israel, that is the same thing. And all, and we say all of this, congregation, because we have to come back to looking at the teaching of the Bible when it comes to marriage. It's there for our upbuilding. It's there for the change that we need in our lives. It's there to separate us from the world. I know it may sound somewhat funny to our ears. You're inclined to say back to the Bible. Aren't we always about doing that? It's easy enough to say that, beloved. But are we in fact doing that? Do the scriptures still hold our attention and give us confidence for, go, for doing what it asks of us when it comes to the covenant and covenant marriage? It's so easy to fall into line with the world today, congregation. Our lives are bombarded by images of what a wonderful thing it is to live in the lap of luxury and have everything we need at our disposal. It also gives us, between quotation mark, wonderful images of what is needed for getting married. But if we look at these things carefully, we will discover that what is suggested can hardly be attributed to the influences of the Word of God. There are semblances of what was once Christian living and marriage. But don't kid yourself. There is nothing at all Christian about these images and messages concerning life and marriage. A lot of it is just plain hoopla, fantasy. Today in our culture, people are drawn into life and marriage by powerful forces that if you look really close at them, amount to nothing more than living in worldly pleasure and romantic infatuation, sexual allurement, and the compelling desire to achieve no more than physical intimacy. If you throw in some fancy clothes and have a huge party and a lot of booze and dancing, then people already imagine marriage to be a beautiful thing. Little thought is given as to what tomorrow brings. They look so happy and in love, we hear their friends say at the party. But tomorrow brings the reality that nothing deep and permanent has really been established. How many of our relationships are of that sort, boys and girls? How serious are you about following the will of God when it comes to living in covenant relationship with your future partner? God shows us this morning what is required, congregation. Our text starts by saying, The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people's, for you were the fewest of all peoples. What is this saying? This is saying that God did not choose to show his affection to Israel as his bride because of anything special in her. He did not choose the Israelites because they were a mighty nation, more powerful, and therefore more, by human and worldly standards, more appealing than any other nation. 
In fact, God chose Israel as she was very small. God's choices are not like our choices, is what this is saying. We may look at someone because it's been decided by the standards of man that this person is desirable. Some people are determined only to marry the best-looking person out there. They're looking for Mr. Handsome or Miss Beautiful, Miss Congeniality. According to the standards of what we as society say is beautiful and desirable. And many therefore hold back from marriage for all the wrong reasons. Hold back because the most handsome or beautiful person has just not been found and they're still busy with that. Of course, we're naturally attracted to beauty. We all like to marry someone who is appealing to look at. But is this the only standard we have? It seems to be in our society. Is that ours too? Is this yours, boys and girls? Our text says that God did not choose Israel along those lines. How did he choose Israel? Well, let us read on. Moses says... But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you. Congregation, God's covenant relationship with Israel was based on and kept by God, listen carefully, because of the oath he swore to Israel's forefathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That and that alone is the basis for God's determination to love Israel and keep on loving her. What is this commitment, congregation? This commitment is covenant commitment. This is what we read of in Genesis 17 when God confronts Abraham with his unilateral approach intended for blessing. The covenant is that binding and bonding personal agreement by which God voluntarily consented to belong as a partner to Israel for good, forever. The covenant is embodied in the vows of consent. The vows that God made towards Israel through Abraham are the stones and the bricks of the covenant. His fidelity is the cement that keeps these vows together. That's what we read here. And that is what we need to zero in on this morning, brothers and sisters. A covenant is made by the vows. Therefore, the speaking of these vows is the essential part of the birth of any covenant. God kept the oath he swore to your forefathers, Moses says. That's why God was determined always to love Israel and set his affection on her. 
There was no backing out of that relationship. There was no room for that because of the vow. There were stipulations. Indeed there were. There were also responsibilities and demands. And we know how this all ended up in a terrible mess. If we're going to speak about marriage, we can talk about terrible messes that have come about regardless. But that's not what we want to put our attention on. As much as there can be a breakdown, we are not perfect. All the harder we have to preach of what is the right way. There's no room for backing out of our relationships as covenant brothers and sisters, also as husbands and wives. Remember it, boys and girls. There's no room for that because of the vow. He would always be there for Israel through thick and thin. And we may know exactly how true and committed that was if we look at one of the most touching parts of Scripture as describes the covenant. I direct you to the words of Ezekiel chapter 16, congregation. We're going to take a few minutes to read these words because they so touchingly speak of what we need to hear. We did not read it earlier as a scripture reading because of its length and because we want to do so now. As you hear these words, remember that they start unilaterally from God's side and yet listen to how committed he is. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, confront Jerusalem with her detestable practices and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says to Jerusalem. Your ancestry and birth were in the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. On the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in cloths. No one looked on you with pity or had compassion enough to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field. For on the day you were born, You were despised. Then I passed by and saw you kicking about in your blood. As you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live. I made you grow like a plant of the field. You grew up and developed and became the most beautiful of jewels. Your breasts were formed. And your hair grew, you who were naked and bare. Later I passed by, and when I looked at you and saw that you were old enough for love, 
I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the sovereign Lord, and you became mine. I bathed you with water and washed the blood from you and put ointments on you. I clothed you with an embroidered dress and put leather sandals on you. I dressed you in fine linen and covered you with costly garments, etc., etc. And then a little later we read, And your fame spread among the nations on account of your beauty, because the splendor I had given you made your beauty perfect, declares the Sovereign Lord. But then what do we read? But you trusted in your beauty and used your fame to become a prostitute. You lavished your favors on anyone who passed by and your beauty became his. And then there are words of punishment as well. I will surely bring down on your head what you have done declares the Sovereign Lord. But what do we hear then? What does God do? Does He abandon her? Does He say, now you've gone beyond being helped? This is God's bride congregation. And so He's heard to say in the end, yet... I will remember the covenant I made with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. So I will establish my covenant with you, and you will know that I am the Lord. Then when I make atonement for you, for all you have done, you will remember and be ashamed and never again open your mouth because of your humiliation, declares the Sovereign Lord. Words of encouragement, words of God's covenant desire. But we know, we know the heart of man. But we concentrate on God. This is God's covenant. This is his covenant with his partner. This is the bride to whom God had said, I will keep on loving you because of the oath I swore to your forefathers. This is the wonderful faithfulness of God's covenant love, brothers and sisters. I don't believe we will ever be like him in our faithfulness. But we must try. I don't know if we are ready to follow him to this extent in our love for each other. As brothers and sisters and in particular as we look at that this morning as husband and wife either. But we must try. We must strive for it congregation. The Lord leads us in that direction. He wants us to follow the direction he has taken with them, doing so 
by following the commands and the decrees and the laws for their guidance. God has given for our direction all that we need. So we must live to be committed in the covenant with God and with each other congregation. So we must live, seek to live in our marriages. And so we come to the second point, taking care to follow the direction of God and showing love and faithfulness to him and to each other. Covenant relationship, covenant marriage, like God's covenant relationship with us, involves exclusive choices. It's about one for the other, together for each other, brothers and sisters, and of you boys and girls. The covenant is what makes for wholesome life It is the remedy of our malaise and indifference towards God and our fellow man. As man by nature. It's the remedy over against how the world imagines life should be. How it imagines marriage should be. God wants us to be committed to living for for Him and with Him. He wants us to be committed to our partners in marriage and to each other in covenant relationship with each other. Have you ever stopped to think about the words of the form for marriage? Those words that are spoken just before a couple is united in marriage. Yes, I mean the vows. The minister asked the bridegroom and then he asked the bride, Do you declare here before the Lord and these witnesses? that you take as your lawful husband or wife, so-and-so here present. Now some have thought of those words, you take as being too possessive and therefore perhaps too archaic. But congregation, the willingness to stand publicly before friends, family, and others and say, I take you uniquely and absolutely is an essential precondition for entering into covenant. These are the words that need to initially be expressed, but need to be expressed then also every day in the working out of this covenant. Every covenant partner needs to know that out of all the possible partners, you chose, you took him or her. That is how God sees us and lives for keeping us exclusively as his own. And that is therefore also how he expects us to choose for him and to choose for each other. And in our relationship with each other as members of the church, this is what you must be committed to saying to each other as well. I take you to be brother and sister in Christ. That's here for the whole congregation. I live for the Lord and for the church in covenant love and commitment. And I do that at the cost of wife and a husband and father and mother, son and daughter, if it needs be. And I do that in that special way 
with the partner of my closest affection, I take you uniquely and absolutely to be my partner for as long as we both shall live. Marriage is not a contract which spells out our obligations and expectations for behavior that it can be broken when the terms are not met. A covenant spells out the nature of what is you and me in that covenant. This covenant exists no matter what people do or don't do in it. There's that element of it, brothers and sisters. As long as there's an understanding that there are persons in this relationship and not that we see the other side as only being it, then commitment must continue to be given. That's what the Lord teaches us this morning. This is what is meant when he says, take care to follow my direction. To follow the commands and the decrees and the laws I give you today. Immersed in the word of God, in his commandments, God presents us with the tools for maintaining the covenant that he has with us. And that's why we read the law of the covenant Sunday after Sunday. I know some people tire of hearing it. But congregation, we are in covenant. Our coming together each Sunday is expression of our covenant commitment to each other and together with the Lord. That's what the summary of Christ is all about that we usually read after we read the law. Therefore, we should gladly listen to the law of our deliverance out of bondage. It's here that God said, this is how you are to love me and your neighbor, starting with the partner of your love, your husband and your wife, going to your family, and going from there to the body of believers, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and all of you together towards me. God does not give up on his covenant people will be loved. It's against his nature to disown his own family. He is in covenant with us and so remains with us. Marriage is therefore not a performance contract. Do this or else. I know that we sometimes tend to look at marriage that way. Certainly our society does. And if it doesn't seem all that way at the ceremony quite often shortly thereafter it does I take you Jill to wash my clothes and to cook my meals and to meet my sexual needs and I take you Jack to provide for me to mow the lawn and to meet my emotional needs this amounts to saying I take you to do something for me as in a performance contract. And it's not to say that we do not do, because if there's one thing to be understood in our marriage relationship, in all of our relationships, it's the word agape, love. It's a matter of doing. And that's very important. 
that kind of love of doing, not because you feel you owe it, but you do it because you belong to, to the Lord. We don't want to minimize that this morning. But we do want to say, in the first place, marriage is a relational covenant. Marriage is what you become together. God did not choose Israel, nor did Jesus the church, primarily to see how well she would perform. They chose us because they loved us, and they loved us in covenant. Because of an oath God made long before we were on the scene. And therefore God desires more than that we relate to him flawlessly or else. The covenant means that we are justified by faith and not by works. After all things have to work in the covenant. And they do if we go through faith. And trust and build our relationships upon that. And therefore, our works are not what make it happen. It is love that makes it happen and to go on. The commitment to love, first from God, then for God and for each other as congregation. And yes, in that primary relationship as husband and wife as the basis of all of our relationships it has to start there that commitment you have to be committed you have to be relational in your commitment in your covenant commitment congregation in the parable of the prodigal son Relationship was more significant than behavior. The two sons belonged, and the belonging was not a reward for services rendered. The younger son came home repentant, expecting only to be hired as a servant, but he discovered the grace that allowed him to belong in the covenant despite his performance. In the covenant, God prefers relationship to behavior. That is what makes the gospel and the covenant to be so scandalous for so many in quest of salvation. When they would seek to perform, thus elevating a person as better than the other, and play out all of life's relationships accordingly, Leading to trouble upon trouble. God says no. If I had done that for you. I would not be here talking to you God says. But it's because I go. I come to you. On the basis of a relationship. And the commitment of a vow to that relationship. Before we are to do congregation. Before we are to do husbands and wives. We are first of all to be. To be. Remember that.
And then we have seen that performance is indeed necessary. But it is not the first thing in marriage. It's first of all relationship. It's being for each other on the basis of a vow we make and which we are determined we will never break. So we may go forward in the example of God's love for us in Jesus Christ and live to show the same covenant love for each other, starting as we do as husbands and wives. Amen.